You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, whether you're here in the room or at home, do take a seat. Thank you so much. Worshippers Sarah Gift, Nicholas, brilliant. Thank you very, very much. Well, we're doing something a little bit different here this morning. Many of you will have clocked this coming week will mark 12 months since the terrible murder of George Floyd, which just threw such a spotlight onto racial injustice and discrimination right across the globe. And so in, today, instead of simply opening the word, I'm going to invite two friends to join me to share some reflections on the last 12 months. So I wonder, would you join me in giving a really warm welcome to Natasha and to Mark? Let's put our hands together. That's it. Let's keep it going while they come up. Welcome, Natasha. Mark, you're well accustomed. Do take a seat. Now, I know most of you uh, will know Mark Beswick. Uh, he's a, a musician, a singer, songwriter. He's our worship pastor here at CLM, a member of staff who we all know and love. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, you may not be so familiar with Dr. Natasha Brown-Mark. You may be. Uh, Natasha works in uh, medical affairs for, I think, a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. And uh, Natasha also leads one of our young adult life groups along with Kudsi, her husband, here on the front row with us today. It's great to see you all again. And also for the last year, she has also been mum to Kenzo. Many of you, the last time you were in church, they would not have been here with a little one. But it's actually Kenzo's birthday today, and they are here for the first time. Very happy birthday, Kenzo. It is so good to see you and to meet you. Well, Thank you so much, Natasha and Mark, uh, for being willing to talk with me about racial injustice, both privately and here publicly today. I know there have been many, many different responses over the last 12 months to the events that took place, both with the killing of George Floyd and then really what happened afterwards. I know for me personally, what it exposed in me was really a, a considerable ignorance about what a lot of people experience and has required me really to diligently attend to listening, to learning, to reading, to educate myself as to some things in history and legacy and culture and, and what many people actually experience. It's not been an entirely comfortable journey, as you might imagine. It rarely is when you become aware of uh, how little you know in an area, and particularly when you're becoming aware that because you have had some ignorance and some blind spots, that there's also perhaps some insecurities that have then contributed to some people's pain. None of that makes for a comfortable journey, but it's so important. It's been so important to learn and to keep learning. I'm really conscious I continue to learn. I'm very much a learner. I'm grateful for some brilliant books that have been written by people of different ethnicities that have helped to educate me. Some of those are on our resources page on the website. If you've not taken a look yet, then do visit it. But mostly I'm grateful to those people who've shared their experiences with me. Always painful to hear and often very shocking. But I've begun 
to realize that as I understand more, as I engage more, that I am becoming less fearful of having conversations on this subject with those who are different to me. And I realize that more and more, just those very conversations are exactly what is needed to help me and to help all of us understand the world through someone else's lens and to begin to break down some of the barriers that exist. And for us here as CLM, as a diverse church, as we seek to stand together for racial justice, we so need to learn together, to talk together, and to hear one another. Now, I know we've got boys and girls here in the room. We might have boys and girls joining us at home. If you've got crayons and paper, I wonder if you could draw us a picture while we're talking of maybe some boys and girls and men and women who all look different to one another, but standing together to worship Jesus. It would be brilliant if you could do a picture like that. But I'm going to invite Mark and Natasha, really, to share a little bit of their responses to what's happened in the last 12 months, really in the light of their own background and their own experiences. So I wonder, maybe Mark, could we begin with you and come to you first? How have you been impacted by both the, the killing of George Floyd and then what has followed on afterwards? Well, um, first of all, I want to just offer my heartfelt condolences to the family of George Floyd as they approach the uh, one-year anniversary mm -hmm. of his, his murder. and. Uh, and everyone has been impacted in his sphere of influence by that. Um, and also, just to say thank you to, the, to yourself, Esther and Martin, and the leadership here for approaching the subject um, in such a public forum and allowing us to be able to have these difficult questions confronted. So uh, that's the first thing. Um, for me personally, uh, when I witnessed the, the murder of George Floyd um, and saw the horrifying way in which he was treated for those nine minutes and 29 seconds of his life. Mm -hmm. And um, it just, as I'm sure it was with everyone, it was very painful to watch, uh, but it also triggered a lot of memories of uh, personal experiences of also being um, racially abused and confronted. And for my youth, uh, for those who, are not fully aware. I grew up in um, London, and uh, I was born in South London in Brixton, but grew up mostly in um, in East London, bar a few years where I also lived in Jamaica. So, um, of Jamaican heritage, Caribbean heritage, and um, when I came back to the UK from living in Jamaica, I had um, a very, I mean, as you can imagine, culture shock yeah. growing up uh, and seeing from a young age people that look like me in a positions of authority and influence um, in the Caribbean. Pr the prime minister was black, the yeah. police officers were black, you know, everyone, the teachers were black, and then coming to the UK and then that was reversed. Yeah. Uh, and then the treatment being treated in a uh, very prejudicial, prejudicial and racial way um, from, as a young, young boy, young black boy, was very challenging, very difficult. Uh, being stopped and accosted by police officers as I step out of my house or um, being accused, you know, wrongly or falsely being spat on as you walk to school. These are the experiences that I had. And so it, the, the murder of George Floyd, um, or to see him go through what he was going through, just triggered a lot of memories mm -hmm. for me personally of those moments yeah. and, and the continual 
um, fight that we have as, as uh, people of color um, with this issue of racism. Thank you for sharing, sharing that, Mark. I wonder, Natasha, if you would be willing to answer the same question for us, how the last 12 months impacted you? Um, yeah, thank you, Mark, for sharing what you've shared about your experience and, you know, for Pastor Esther and Martin for giving us the platform to be able to share. Um, for me, outside of the graphic recording of George Floyd's death, obviously it was shocking to see that anyone being treated that way or dying in that manner and being treated in such a humane way, inhumane. Um, for me, in terms of outside of the shock, I didn't actually feel anything. Um, like, I didn't feel anything. I don't know how to explain that, but um, it wasn't until like friends and family members were, you know, expressing to me how hurt they yeah. were about what they saw, um, that I started to ask myself, why didn't I feel that yeah. hurt? Like, why didn't I feel it? And I soon started to process the fact that the reason I didn't feel that was because I had learned to suppress I suppose, um, strong feelings about things like that. Yeah. Um, because we see it all the time, um, unfortunately. And in my life, um, I've had to learn to suppress things that make me feel that way. So, in like, like Mark, I grew up you know, in a different country. I grew up in Zimbabwe predominant black country. Um, and prior to moving to the UK, I didn't actually recognize skin color. Like mm. I didn't necessarily, I don't remember processing the fact that I was black, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, and when I moved to the UK when I was seven, um, I didn't really used to care about how I look like. I didn't really consider it like a kid probably would never. Um, and when I started school here, at, in the age of seven, going to eight, um, the first exposure to racism was from a kid in my school who laughed at my hair. Um, my hair was short um, and it was um, natural. And the kid laughed at me and I can't remember the specifics, but you know, it was entailing like, he looked like a boy that kind of stuff, and and I was, I clearly was obviously really hurt by that, and I cried to my aunt, um, who I was living with at the time, and I begged her to relax my hair, because I couldn't go to school with my hair like that, because the kids in school were going to laugh at me. And because, obviously, because of, she didn't have the tools to equip me you know, to be confident in how I yeah. look, because most likely she's experienced the same thing. Yeah. 
she relaxed my hair yeah. within a few weeks and problem solved. So, and that essentially shaped the way I, I looked at myself for about 15 years. Um, and so, looking at what happened to George, what happened to George Floyd, I then realized that there's been many things that have happened since then, but I didn't feel like strong negative, like shock, emo like beyond shock emotions, because I taught myself to be tough yeah. and to not let things like that get to me, but that's not okay. It's not okay. So yeah, that would be hmm. the answer to how I first reacted to it. Thank you, really, I guess, helpful to have those two perspectives. There's pretty many more perspectives even in the room, but of those who might be immediately sent some things triggered, those for whom, I guess, pain was a lot more buried, a lot more suppressed because of what they'd had to journey through. But for both of you, significant impact, significant experiences, through life repeatedly um, of having to deal with, deal with racism. And we're conscious that whilst uh, not all people of color necessarily experience that, many, many, many do. And particularly for us in our congregation, that means that's the experience of many of our brothers and sisters. And this is part of what is being journeyed, has been journeyed over the last 12 months and continues to be journeyed. So it's, thank you for sharing things that clearly massive, massive part of your lives and very, very impactful. I, I know we could probe more and unpack more, but maybe what I'd rather encourage all of us to do is when we have friends, if we've not had conversations like this, that perhaps we sensitively ask someone if they would mind us talking to them about what their experience has been, if they'd be willing to share with us um, that we might hear what their actual day-to-day -day experience has been and what their response has been over the last 12 months. And I wonder if I can come to you both and maybe just, I know you're both passionate followers of Jesus, that you love him and whatever you go through, that actually what he says in his word and what he models is gonna shape how you've responded. So I don't know, Mark, is there a, is there a particular scripture? I mean, I know there's, there's many scriptures that speak into this topic, um, that speak about justice, our responsibility to pursue justice, our equality before God, our equal standing, many, many, many things. But is there some, are there some scriptures that personally speak to you about how you respond in this, or, or just a way that your faith has impacted your response? Yes, definitely. Um, I think... Uh, one of the things uh, the, uh, about racism, uh, the, the impact of racism upon uh, you as a, especially as, young, as you're younger, in your younger days, is the feeling of being rejected, you know, from the, the message you're not accepted within the context of society, greater society, for just on the basis of the color of your skin, which is in incredibly damaging psychologically. Yeah. And so uh, rejection was a, a massive piece for me growing up and dealing with that in a, and wanting to be accepted as most people in this world does. Everyone wants to be accepted. So um, for me, the, the scripture that 
um, helps, strengthens me during this idea of um, being uh, looked upon differently. And as you navigate through life every day, even to this day, as as black people, um, you have to have conversations that with with your children um, that um, that your parents had with you that you don't really that no other race has to have. You know, it's it's a, it's a crazy thing, but um, you go through life and. Uh, if I go into a, 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 to this day into a, a shop and I buy an item, um, I'm conscious to make sure that I take a receipt with me, despite the fact that I know I've purchased it. I have to. There's a, a consciousness of that, and and walking around knowing that you you may be followed in the store. Those type of things are always with you every single day. So this sense of always being on the edge a little bit as you go through life. Um, led me to this wonderful passage, um, which I I'd like to read. Go for um, it, please do. Uh, and it, it's a passage is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. It's, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And it's this, this idea that now I have been yeah. accepted um, in the beloved. And this uh, beautiful picture of the fact that there is someone here in my world, in my existence, that accepts me for who I am, for the, the way that, in fact, he made me the way I am, the way that, that, that I'm Delights. not as the yeah. tallest guy in the room, um, uh, but I'm, I'm made exactly the way God wants me yeah. to be made. I look exactly the way he wanted me to look, uh, with the skin color tone that I have, Absolutely. with the personalities and the characteristics that I have, the, my, the sense of humor that I have. Everything was made specifically, intentionally, on purpose by this one, who accepts me and this idea is so profound for me because when you live through the trauma of being rejected by the, the greater society around you to know that there is a God who loves you and accepts you the way you are he's not looking for you to press your hair or to perm your hair or to you know to yeah. be like the, the you know the other color the other race and want to fit in he he says you you fit in me yeah. And that's a beautiful thing, and that really strengthens me as a, as a, as a black uh, man and as a, as a, mm. as a son and a, an adopted son of the Father. So, yeah, that, that really uh, helps me enormously. Brilliant. Thank you. Really powerful, powerful words that speak into our identity. How about, how about you, Natasha? Yeah, for me, um, it's coming from, I guess, two sides. So... My favorite verse is um, a verse in Romans which says, um, there's nothing, no, there's no power, there's no evil, there's absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love that God has yeah. for us. And this is, um, this is the verse that you know, has carried me for years because my identity transformation started before the George Floyd thing. Mm. Um, and so post the George Floyd, um, I had a different processing because I had to deal with suppressing yeah. emotions. 
and being desensitized to things. Um, and so a friend of mine actually um, uh, shared with me a really great verse, which was um, Ezekiel 36, 26, which says, um, remove in me um, a heart of stone and put in me a, a heart, you know, is it a heart of flesh? flesh, yeah. Yeah, where you wouldn't watch or hear anything that is not of God and not react and not be affected by mm. it. So it's almost like saying you, you know, you'll feel how God feels when he sees mm. things like that being done. And, you know, hopefully then you can respond more appropriately and actually journey that situation with God and put it to prayer or do something about mm. it if, you know, you're in a position where you can. Um, and then the last one is, um, is just, you know, love your brother as you love yourself. So, you know, how we treat others should be how you would like to be treated. Yeah. And it, it boils down to that, really. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Thank you. Treat others how we want to be treated. It's not, it's not complicated, but... Um, powerful and what a, I guess for all of us to pray that prayer from Ezekiel it's Lord take out my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh I know for me a key scripture this year in in, in my journey of response perhaps a different journey of response been that last verse in Psalm 139 it says search me oh God know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts see if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting and alongside trying to educate myself and also to to be open to the Lord for what the Lord wants to do in me and to search me and to grow me. I guess we could unpack scriptures more. There's, it's only very much a, a taster as we just talk for a few moments here, but I'll, I wonder would you be able to say anything like, what are your hopes for racial justice going forward? If, you, if indeed you have any, Mark, uh, what are your hopes? I mean, I, when I look forward uh, from a Christian perspective, scripturally, um, there is a hope that we find in the book of Revelation 7 where there's a gathering around the throne of God yeah. of every nation, tongue, language, ethnicity there's we're all together one family with our father and that is the the picture that we see at the end of the book so there is a a, a vision that we should definitely be looking to that that God is working a plan that will bring us to a point where we begin to remember that we are family yeah. that we are one and it doesn't matter what skin color you have or what your um cultural influences or background may be we are the human race and we've got to begin at that point of recognizing remembering that we are, we shouldn't be looking to div divide ourselves by ourselves but just looking for opportunities to how we can come together and accept one another despite the differences um, as you know I'm a musician and the picture that I like to to utilize is the one of having an orchestra with many instruments in that orchestra 
and the great composer puts a piece of music together and every instrument has its own role to play within that composition. And the, com the composer doesn't devalue any instrument because it's different from another. Yeah. It needs all of them to make that uniform yeah. sound. So for my, my wish and my aspiration here is that we will all recognize that although we look differently and we maybe produce a different sound, that we actually recognize that there actually there is a, com a composer of all humanity called God, who's bringing us together to play from one yep. piece of music. I mean, and it's the music of unity, the music of love that we have one for another has already been um, articulated by Natasha. And we need to be able to move towards that goal. And that's my dream that hopefully we'll be able to make that sound that pleases the Father um, that one sound, the one sound of love and unity for mankind. Wow, thank you. That's not an easy answer to follow. Do you want to add anything to that, Natasha? Uh, no, I think he, he covered generally where, we're, where we should be going. That's fine, that's great. Um, thank you both so much. It, it, it feels like, um, to stop the conversation now, um, it feels like cutting it short, but um, for those watching at home, for those in the room, we, we are going to uh, call it time there. But let's, perhaps all of us, make this part of on ongoing, journeying conversations uh, where we talk together and invite others to talk. They may not want to, but if they're ready to, that we might have such conversations. So thank you so much. I wonder, can we uh, really show our appreciation to Natasha and Mark? Thank you. Thank you. Well, we began today with the words from Acts 2, and it is Pentecost Sunday, when we celebrate the birth of the church, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out, God beginning in Jerusalem, a city, an occupied city in the heart of the Middle East was where he chose to do it, pouring out his spirit on a group of praying believers, but in a place where they were surrounded by people from many, many nations. When you read the words of Acts 2, we get a list of all the different places that were represented. If we were to put those into modern day uh, places that we might recognize, there were people from Iraq, Iran, Syria, Turkey, Kuwait, Libya, Egypt, Greece, other places in North Africa. There were, of course, people from the occupying power, Rome. They were there too. Many, many different nations. In fact, Scripture leaves us in no, there's no question that God was birthing a church that was to be a church of all nations for all nations, which is why it's so critical that we continue to pursue racial justice and stand together for racial justice, that we learn together and grow together and keep moving forward with this kind of conversation, seeking the Father's heart, seeking to make the sound that Mark alludes to there as we celebrate the part that every person plays. And I wonder if as we come to worship again at the end of our time together, if I can invite us to literally stand together here in the room. And if you're at home, I invite you to stand and I'm going to pray and pray that the Lord would pour out his Holy Spirit on us afresh. 
for he began a work and we're seeking to be part of that church that he birthed by the power of his Holy Spirit, a church of all nations, for all nations. So I wonder if you can position yourself to receive with me today. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are the father of your church, a church that is a body of many, many different parts and you make each part of the body just as you want them to be. And we pray, Lord, that we would be the church that you designed, the church that you poured out your spirit to be, a church that is of all nations, that is for all nations, that celebrates every part of the body, standing together, celebrating one another, honoring one another, rejoicing together and suffering together. Father, we say sorry where we haven't been the church that you designed and called us to be. And we ask again today that you would pour out your spirit afresh and help every one of us to move towards those who are different to us, to love them as you love them, to treat them as we would want to be treated, to journey with them and stand with them, that we would build together the house that you want to be built, that together we would not only individually be full of your Holy Spirit and prophesy and dream dreams and have visions and all the things that your Spirit enables, but Lord, also together we would be the house that you will dwell in, a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus, that's what you said it would be. And we pray that you would pour out your spirit on every one of us afresh and enable us to be built together into the church that you see, to release the sound that you call forth as the great composer. So we welcome you, we look to you, we love you and we bow down before you and ask that you would carry on to completion that which you have begun until the day of Christ Jesus and we stand before your throne, Jesus men and women, boys and girls from every tribe, language, tongue and nation and give you the praise that you are worthy of. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we look to you, Jesus, our cornerstone, that we'd be built on you, held together in you, unified in you and give glory to you. And we ask it in your precious and powerful name. Amen.